You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 766 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, it is Thursday evening as I'm talking to you now, and later on in the podcast, my good friend Ben Ladner of Sports Illustrated will be joining me to talk all about the fallout over the last couple of days. Before we get to Ben, though, I want to catch you, catch you up on sort of the nuts and bolts of what was reported and what was happening on Thursday. If you missed yesterday's podcast, I touched on the 22-team restart that was all but assured based on the reporting yesterday, and as of today, it is now official with one caveat. Uh, the NBA Board of Governors voted 29-1 to 1 with the Blazers as the only team that voted against, and they've explained that, which uh, is more relevant to a non-Hawks podcast, but there you go. Um, the vote was 29-1 to 1 to approve the 22-team proposal that we discussed on the previous podcast, essentially. Um, the Hawks not going to be going to Orlando, 22 teams. If you want more information about that, um, listen to what Ben and I talk about later. Also, I went over it in detail on yesterday's show. That's the broad strokes that was announced um, firm, firmly on Thursday afternoon. It is important to note that Mark Stein of the New York Times and later others reported the Players Association for the NBA is set to meet virtually on Friday, and they have not approved this just yet. So nothing is absolutely official at this juncture, but all indications are that uh, they're going to ratify this in some form or fashion. There are, there, also, there are some ongoing conversations to be had, to be sure, involving the players, but the broad strokes of a 22-team restart are happening, um, barring something changing in terms of the health status, et cetera, et cetera. The other fallout that happened on Thursday has to do with the scheduling of the offseason uh, and specific, specifically the lottery and the draft. Um, first, uh, Woolwich reported this, and then it was later announced as part of the uh, NBA's Board of Governors approval process. But the, the draft lottery is now set for Tuesday, August 25th, which is about two and a half months from now, of course. And then the draft itself will be on Thursday, October 15th. So essentially, the lottery is going to be moving back about three plus months from its normal spot in mid-May. And the draft is moving back, you know, almost four months from its normal spot in late June. So all that to say, those are now out there as firm dates, um, barring something changing. Um, As far as that's concerned, that affects the Hawks, of course. But the NCAA also announced on Thursday after that came to fruition that draft prospects have um, either 10 days after the NBA draft combine or... August 3rd, whichever comes first, to withdraw from the draft. Um, It's likely going to be August 3rd if that holds because uh, the combine, if it exists, is most likely going to be um, in late August, you know, post post uh, lottery and all that stuff, according to the reporting that's out there. So it seems like the NCAA is going to be doing no favors to the players who are maybe considering a in or out in the, in the coming days. Obviously, the Hawks' first-round pick will not be affected by this because I can't imagine any of the guys the Hawks should be considering will be going back to school. But at the same time, um, the second-round pick, that could be changing in the, in the future. We'll talk more about that as we get into it. But uh, the withdrawal date looks like it's going to be pretty early in terms of the normal process. Uh, by the way, as of today... On this Thursday uh, evening as I'm recording this, there are, there are now 133 days between now and the draft. That's a long time. Um, obviously, that could have put some challenges on us, but there you go. That's the current state of affairs. Um, in terms of the lottery, there was some uncertainty, but the, the NBA addressed that in their official release. I'm going to read what they wrote to you specifically. And I'm quoting now from the NBA announcement on Thursday. 
The 14 NBA lottery teams would be the eight teams that do not participate in the restart, which includes the Hawks, and the six teams that participate in the restart but, but do not qualify for the playoffs. These teams will be seeded in the lottery and assigned odds based on their records through games on March 11th. The 16 playoff teams would draft an inverse order of their combined records across regular season games and seeding games. So, all that all to say, the Hawks have the fourth best lottery odds, and uh, for all intents and purposes, that's not going to change now. We've been talking about that and sort of assuming it for quite some time. That means 12.5% chance at the first pick for the Hawks. That means a 48.1% chance to be in the top four. That means the most likely single outcome is actually landing at number six, but still, that's only about 25%. So we'll talk more about that as we get closer to the lottery, but no big changes in what we've been assuming for a long time, but but no, uh, at least that we know of now, no you know different incentives for the Hawks. It'll be the same in what was what I've been saying is the most likely scenario this whole time, and that is the Hawks entering the normal, quote-unquote, lottery process with the fourth best odds in the mix. Um, also, just as a point of clarification to that announcement, teams like the Suns and the Wizards are going to be going to the bubble, can't tank their way into their draft pick. Those are going to be frozen, so that doesn't really affect the Hawks, but there you go on that. Last couple things here before we get into uh, Ben later on the show. Uh, Sham Saraniya reported what he believed and described as a tentative schedule, and then part of this was also announced by the, by the NBA in their announcement. Teams are going to be arriving in Orlando on schedule uh, for, for July 7th. Even with games not arriving until July 31st, there was a report from Tim Reynolds of the AP reporting that there could be some scrimmages or exhibitions, some stuff that does not count, but some, uh, I would say, more competitive settings between, between the teams down there in advance of, of July 31st. Free agency is reportedly set to start on October 18th, which is only three days after the draft. That's not too much sooner than usual. People people forget this, but oftentimes the, the draft would be like the 23rd, 24th of June, and, you have, and then you have July 1st in terms of the free agency period. So that's a little bit longer. Obviously, three days is less than seven, eight, six, anytime in there, but a pretty short, a pretty short turnaround between those two things if that actually holds to fruition. And then what's going to be interesting to monitor here is the initial reporting um, was basically having the NBA aiming for a November 10th training camp start and then a December 1st start for opening night. In fact, the December 1st target date was actually in the NBA release. That seems very early to everyone, I think, in terms of the timeline here. Um, as an example, the NBA Finals could go as late as October 12th. So if you're a team in the, in the Finals going through Game 7 in the Finals, you would have 28 days or so between the end of the Finals and the start of training camp, which is a comically small offseason, um, but obviously with less less than the hiatus a little bit for teams like the Hawks, um, there was there was a little bit of pushback, maybe not firm pushback, but at least questioning from Union Executive Director Michelle Roberts, who's in charge of the Players Association alongside Chris Paul. Um, she told Woj that she was surprised by the November 10th, December 1st dates, and those are definitely tentative at this point in time. Those are the dates that I feel the least confident about. There is some reporting out there that you know maybe they just sort of offered up December 1st and maybe they're prepared to push back to Christmas, something like that if they wanted to. But December 1st is pretty early and that's kind of the biggest change here is that um, we were all kind of assuming that that Christmas Day was going to be the start date and December 1st is, you know, it's still in December, but that's three and a half weeks before. That's a kind of a pretty big significant change. I will say this, there was some talk about this as well. The Olympics could be a factor in why they want to start early because the Olympics normally would be this summer, but they're going to be pushed back to 2021 if they even happen. But if they do... Uh, if you want to send NBA players, the season's got to be over by then, and uh, that could be part of the incentive structure. I will say this, you probably can't play 82 games, even if you start on December 1st. You probably can't get in 82 games and still go to the Olympics with NBA players. I'm not sure how much that matters, but it probably care. people probably like Nike care about that, for instance. So we'll keep an eye on that in the future. Also, if December 1st holds, it's about six weeks 
from the draft and five weeks from free agency to the start of the season, and that that includes training camp. So December first, the first game, it would be even shorter. It's you know less than a month from the from the draft to the start of training camp. That's very small for rookies to get acclimated with their new situations. Also, all the stuff that we'll talk about later with Ben about the fall league and kind of the timeline there could be a little bit altered. Lots to talk about, but uh, that's sort of the roundup for now. There is plenty more that's going to be finalized, plenty of decisions to be made. There's a reporting out there about you know questions that still have to be answered that I'm sure there are tons of that I can't even answer right now. But there's a primer of what transpired on Wednesday and Thursday. No big surprises, just some firmness on the uh, draft and free agency for the Hawks. You can start planning your uh, calendars, and I can start planning mine <laughs> a little bit on what's going to be happening in the coming months. Okay, before we get to Ben, a word from our sponsors today, and first, the good folks at Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. When you don't have the free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. There's an incredible app that solves that problem, though. It's one of the ultimate life hacks, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is unique. It works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. It takes the best key takeaways from thousands of nonfiction books, connects them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. That's huge for busy people like you that just want to get to the main points of a book in a hurry so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute, on your lunch break, or even while you exercise. 12 million people are already using Blinkist right now. It has a massive growing, growing library that features all kinds of varied offerings. Blinkist also has the latest talent from bestsellers and classic nonfiction options that you might want to read, even if you have always been meaning to read those, but you never had time to, this is a great time to go ahead and rectify that with Blinkist. And with Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to the entire library, all the books you want, and all for one low price right now. For a limited time, Blinkist is a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash NBA to try it free for seven days and also save 25% off a new subscription. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T Blinkist.com slash NBA to start a seven-day free trial from there. You'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Today's pod is also brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar, and Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and there are almost endless reasons to love Built Bar. In addition to the incredible taste, Built Bar is perfect for anybody that's trying to be health conscious with the ability to lose or maintain weight while still indulging and enjoying. It's something that tastes absolutely delicious. Every bar is low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and to make things even better, it's a protein bar that tastes exactly like a candy bar. Each bar is covered in 100% chocolate, which is always a plus, and unlike some of the other offerings, the competitors in the same genre, Built Bars are soft and easy to chew. My personal favorite is the banana nut bread flavor, which I always talk about on the podcast, and I can't get enough of those, honestly, but there are many, many more options that you'll really like. In fact, there are 16 amazing flavors to choose from, and they all present their own appeal that anyone could fall in love with. I would absolutely and fully recommend Built Bar. And in order to check this out for yourself, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off on your first order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off at Built Bar. It's an absolutely perfect day to try Built Bar. All right, and without further ado, here's my conversation with the great Ben Ladner. Ben, thank you for joining me on this Thursday. How are you holding up during this time? I'm trying to. I'm hanging in there. You know, there's a lot going on right now. But I think considering the circumstances, I'm about as well as one can be. I would echo that. You know, we're we're all doing what we can at this point in time. And obviously, lots of news to hit on. I did, um, before we, you and I started talking, I recorded about, you know, 10 minutes or so on the latest news and happenings. But uh, obviously a lot to discuss in the NBA world. In fact, about, I guess, about an hour ago now, um, I was watching the NBA's uh, 
sort of, I guess not NBA, the TNT inside the NBA crew was doing sort of a special tonight. And uh, the grand reveal of that was that Shaq was on, on somehow the call when Drew Brees called his uh, Saints teammates to apologize. Shaq was on the call, which was something I had to write about for Dime. So that's, that's a full circle, bizarre thing tonight. But uh, there are more important things to talk about than that, including, by the way, most of most of that special was more important than that, but I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, regardless, we will be talking about the NBA's restart, both from a Hawks perspective and an NBA, NBA perspective, and I, I know you uh, have, have your sort of fingers on everything between Hawks stuff and the NBA stuff, so uh, thanks for joining me to talk about all of that. Um, we'll get into the Hawks-related stuff specifically for sure on this, but more broadly almost. What are your thoughts on what the league's decided to do here with 22 teams? And uh, there's a lot of unknowns at this point in time, but uh, what was your reaction when all of this started to come down and now that it's uh, semi-official? My first reaction was that 22 is a little bit of a strange number. The, the Suns and Wizards, I'm not really sure we need them in here, but they made their way in somehow. I guess that's good for them. Um, I, I think it's surprising mostly because, to me, it, it seemed like the number one priority should have been mitigating risk. And I think that's Number one, why we saw not all 30 teams make it, which I think was smart, but it, it seems like a strange decision to put two teams that you know, realistically don't really have a shot and, and didn't really have a shot at making the playoffs before the season shut down to, to lump them in with everyone else. You know, that, that's 30 extra players you know, times however many essential team personnel that you're bringing into this bubble and creating more risk. And I think that's where you've seen a lot of the backlash come uh, against the NBA here in the last couple of days where uh, you know Florida just had a, a huge spike in daily cases over I think 1.2 thousand and it, you know it, it's it's a risky time to be doing this right now and I think I think that's always been the case for the NBA that's always been something they've had to think about and try to work around but um, it, it's the, the inclusion of, of the extra teams is a little puzzling in that sense and um, other than that you know I, I think, my main concern is I just hope everyone gets in and out of there safely. You know, obviously there's going to be a little bit of a of a time period where everyone's in there for for the the eight games that they're all going to play, but then you'll start trimming teams off and just have the playoff teams and then cut that in half and then cut that in half. So, it'll start to chop off the amount of people in the bubble fairly quickly, but for a little while there it's it's going to be a lot of people. It's going to be a lot of people and that's that's going to be a lot of risk. And so I don't really know how the NBA manages that. I, I'm sure they're going to take as many precautions as they can, but I think the the big issue the whole time has always been any return to play scenario, any solution is going to involve some degree of risk. It's just how much risk are they comfortable taking? And I, I suppose the answer they settled on was 22 teams worth of risk. And um, you know, again, that's that's not the route I would have gone, but it's it's certainly preferable to including all 30. And I think in some ways it, it's a reasonable landing point. Yeah, I, I'm with you on you know all of that. I think you know 22 is bizarre, and I, I've still yet to hear an explanation why 22 was better than 20. For instance, they could have done this exact same thing, like you mentioned. The I think the Suns and the Wizards just don't need to be there, and I don't really, I don't, really, I don't understand that at all, frankly. Um, you know, I was honest and said that I would have gone with 16 if it was up to me, but I'm you know it's not like I'm the person that's in charge of this. I, I do understand why they didn't do 30. I know Hawks fans, at least some of them. There's a split in Hawks fans that I that I found so far but I, I get why you would have wanted the Hawks to be there I totally understand that just to for entertainment and just to see the team the team play again but 
when dealing with risk factors, you know, it's already already risky. And uh, your, the point you made there was a good one that I think it's almost been ignored in some circles anyway. The biggest thing now is to just hope that this is going to get pulled off and everybody's going to be healthy. That's the biggest thing. Um, and, you know, while you could argue the difference and how big it is between 22 and 30 or 20 and 30 or 16 and 30, everyone can agree that 30 is the most risky of the four proposals. So that's one of the reasons I'd imagine why 30 teams are not going to be going down there. Um, and I'm okay with that. I, I'm with you that 20 made more sense than 22 to me. And I would have gone 16 and not done eight regular season games. That, that felt like a lot to me. I mean, I understand the reason why you would want to do that for RSN revenue and for, you know, I guess trying to figure out the standings a little bit clearer and maybe some more intrigue when it comes to the race for the eight seeds and reshuffling. But that sounds like a lot of regular season games to me. Um, I understand the value of them in some respects, but um, it just makes things a lot longer. I know it can only be, you know, 16 days or so, but that's, that's two plus extra weeks um, on top of the fact that you have to do training camps of some sort down there, sort of split training camps, but two extra weeks of having, you know, literally double the teams there is aggressive to me. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, it's like I, I can see the argument for for like why you want to have the the runway of the regular season. You want to give teams time to to get in shape, and you, obviously they'll have the training camp as well. But just to kind of play themselves back into shape. But the more I thought about it, and and I spent quite a bit of time over the last however many months thinking about okay, what's the best option? What can they do? What are all the possible combinations? I think the the like the, the way I, the the place I, I landed was it's probably best just to keep it simple, you know. Like I I don't I don't see why the NBA couldn't have just said, okay, the 16 teams that are in the playoffs now, those are the 16 teams, and we're going to play the playoffs. You know, that's that's unfair in, in some ways to like your Portland's, your New Orleans, I, I guess Washington. I, although they, like I said, they were kind of an outside shot anyway. So some of those Western Conference teams, like that's that's tough. Um, but this is an unprecedented time. It's a really strange situation. And I think the top priority has to be health, like, like we've both said. And it felt to me like the NBA overthought this one a little bit where they wanted to find all these creative solutions and, you know, what's the best, what format should we use and all this stuff where in reality, like, I think the, the best approach would have been the most straightforward approach, which is just to, to say the playoff field's set, this is who's in, maybe you give them a, a few regular season game, your quote unquote regular season games to kind of ramp up and get into shape, but maybe no more than three, four or five. And then you just start the playoffs. You go straight into it. I, I think that was probably the, the simplest approach the whole way. Uh, and, and again, like, like you have said as well, just the, the inclusion of those extra two teams is always gonna, gonna baffle me to, to some extent. And maybe one of them will make the playoffs who knows, but it's it's uh it's strange that that's where they decided to draw the line and you and I were not in the meetings that led up to this vote so we don't know exactly why that's where they drew the line as opposed to 20 or as opposed to 16 I have a guess or, by the way um, okay yeah no I'd love to hear it my my it's sort of a two-pronged guess um on one hand uh 22 is more than two-thirds of the league um and 20 is I know 20 is as well but really is 20 is exactly two-thirds of the league so I'm not sure how, how that would go um but 22 is more, more than two-thirds of the league and, and but the more important thing that I would say and this is again this is a guess but I think they got into a weird thing where they might have wanted to have Washington there just to have more than eight teams from the east um 
And if you do that, there really isn't an argument to not have Phoenix, like, because 21 doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I think that's probably what it comes down to. I think if they wanted to have the possibility of a play-in tournament in the East, and granted what they landed on here, and people will probably have heard me say this before, but the four-game barrier between the eight and nine and uh, having anyone who's within four, if the nine is within four games, you know, the Wizards may not, be within four games, but they certainly can get within four games. I think there there's no way that they're going to catch the magic um, for the eight seed in a traditional sense. But could they be within four games at the end? They, they, that could certainly happen. So if you were viewing it through that prism, I get, I sort of get because they, I'm sure they wanted to have Portland, New Orleans there. Um, I guess San Antonio and Sacramento as well. And if you bring those four teams, I get that that's a that's a more round number, and I would have been in favor of it. But if they wanted to have a little bit more intrigue at the bottom of the East and maybe wanted to bring Washington for that reason, 21 doesn't make sense. So it's like, all right, well, Phoenix is kind of in the same boat. I know they're actually the furthest back. They're even further back than Washington. And by the way, they have to jump four other teams. So there's just no way Phoenix is ever making the playoffs. But so honestly, at the end of the day, I think Phoenix being there, it just it, that's, the, that's the absurd part to me is Phoenix. Washington is kind of absurd. But the fact that Phoenix is there is just completely pointless. Whereas Washington, under the format the NBA landed on, does have a chance to make the playoffs, if that makes sense. I could see that. If you have the competition and the race for the eight seed in the West, you want to have the same thing in the East. I understand that. A solution, though, might have been just seed them, you know, seed the teams regardless of conference, or at least yeah. have, you know, maybe the top six in each conference and then the bottom four are more fluid and you can, you can cross over based on. Uh, team record and, and kind of create some flexibility that way. So you don't have to include these extra teams, but uh, again, it's, it comes back to, okay, you know, we want the balance. We, we want the competition in each conference. We want an even number of teams, but like the, the thing looming over all of this is a pandemic. And I, I don't, I, I don't agree that the, the, the benefit of having those two extra teams is worth the potential cost of, of those teams, you know, catching the virus or the, the risk of them contracting the virus, just the added risk that we mentioned earlier. Like, I think that's the thing you always have to take into account and adding two teams that have no chance of making the playoffs is, is to me a worse alternative than having, you know, maybe a less intriguing race for the eight seed, but a little bit of a safer format and, uh, you know, less risk to have to worry about. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I understand why they didn't just do 16. That's what I would have done just for the ease of it and the argument that's even fewer teams. But, you know, I, I understand they wanted to have regular season games and why I may not care about that. There are monetary concerns here, and that's an important thing. By the way, just so I make sure I say this out loud, um, we both mentioned health as a factor here. Um, it needs to be said every once in a while that if health was really the only factor, they wouldn't play at all. Uh, exactly. So exactly. I want to just make sure I say that. I mean, I think we all kind of know that, uh, and money is really important to this and money, I think is probably the biggest driving factor in this whole thing. But, uh, you know, if, if health was like everyone says, the primary concern that they just, they just wouldn't play, but alas, um, we'll cover basketball and talk more and talk more about it as we get going here. Um, I'm going to ask you about some Hawk specific stuff and some off season timeline stuff in a second. Before we get to that though, a word from our sponsor on today's pod. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You can shop at RockAuto.com for auto and body parts from hundreds 
of manufacturers. RockAuto.com has everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic car or your daily get-around ride, get everything you need. Just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. One reason to repair and maintain your car on your own is to save money that you can then use for other important things. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices, though, are the same for everybody and reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than than change their prices based on what the market is willing to bear. RockAuto.com is for everybody, and that does not require membership or an account login. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specs, and prices you prefer. Again, and best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers, so why would you spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. From there, write Locked On in in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, Ben, uh, let's talk some Hawks because... You know, the immediate fallout here is that the Hawks won't be in Orlando, but there was lots of reporting about the offseason, including some stuff that just got announced, frankly, by the NBA today, including the timeline for the lottery and the draft and how the lottery is going to work. And as of today, um, we're 133 days away from the draft. Um, Before we get into the specific stuff of the timeline, how do you think this affects the Hawks? Like, you know, there's kind of there's kind of this debate happening uh, on Twitter and in the Peace Group's comments, other places about how much this matters to the Hawks. And I've kind of waited a little bit just to say that my overarching thought is that the the loss of games um, and what was going to be you know just a handful of games isn't the biggest thing for me. I think for me, the biggest loss, if you want to say there is one on the court, would be the lot that would be the loss of that of that training camp time and that practice time that they were going to be getting uh, coming together. But what do you think, um, if anything, the Hawks are losing by not being included in Orlando, given that they were not going to make the playoffs? I think the biggest thing is is just like data, you know, like a sample size of what their team looks like. Because we still, I mean, even with as as comparatively well as they played down the stretch with their young guys available, and we obviously never saw Capella, but with those with those five young guys, they they played fairly well, and they looked like they were starting to get a a little bit of a stride, but we, we still really didn't get to see that group for more than, you know, a couple hundred possessions over the course of the year. So I think that's the biggest thing they lose is just not only the, the chemistry and like the on-court comfort that those players have with one another, but what, you know, the, the, what you learn from that, you know, that the takeaways you can have from how that team looks playing with one another. I'm not sure if Capella would have been ready to come back and contribute in, whatever truncated portion of the season the Hawks would have played if they would have been included. Um, but, but maybe, maybe you get to see him, maybe you get to see Scal and just, just get more data with your young players. I think that's the biggest thing the Hawks need right now. And obviously the experience of just, just playing together, like Lloyd Pierce said, you know, they're young guys, they, they need to play, they need to get the experience. That's all true. Uh, but like you said, you can, you can kind of approximate that in, in practice, just as far as, you know, on court comfort with one another, you really don't get to understand how effective that group can be unless you see it against other NBA competition. So that's what they lose. But I actually think there's a little bit to gain for them as well. You know, they they have better lottery odds than they probably would have had because 
I tend to think if they'd played eight games, there's a decent chance they would have won a few of those. And they're better than, you know, maybe the the sixth or the, the third worst team, whatever they are in the standings right now. I think they're better than that now because of the talent they've gotten back, the the injuries that they've recovered from. So from a lottery perspective and a draft perspective, I think they're undoubtedly helped by this. Of course, there is the chance they could have just lost out the rest of the season, but I think that's unlikely. And then the other thing is just health. You you know, you don't risk Trey Young getting coronavirus in Orlando, which which would obviously be a disaster. And, you know, we've seen what can happen when several NBA players get coronavirus. It's it's not a great look for the league. It's obviously not good for those players. So the health is the number one thing. But beyond that, the, the draft odds, um, I think just the clarity of knowing, okay, the season's over, we can go into the offseason, you can start your your draft evaluation or at least continue it. I'm sure they've already started. But you can kind of shift into off-season mode a little bit quicker. And for a young team like Atlanta, they don't really lose much, I guess, from not having those final games of the season. They weren't fighting for a playoff spot or anything. Um, and, yeah, so I think there's I think there's downsides and upsides. And I'm sympathetic to both arguments. You know, Lloyd Pierce made a compelling point that his team needs reps. Those young players need minutes. But at the same time, I think there is a bright side to this for the Hawks. And they still have access to the training facility. They can still get in. Uh, get working over the summer and and kind of stay sharp before the the next season starts. Presumably, if it starts, um, you know they've they put out a tentative schedule. I'm not sure how how much they'll be able to stick to that. Yeah, I mean, there's so many factors here, including one that you know I think the biggest thing that people have talked about, and I have too, is just the kind of comical nature of how long the hiatus will be if nothing else happens for the Hawks on the court. Um, if they don't play another game until December. And I know the reporting now is early December, maybe, but even then that's still, you know, almost nine months from the last time they played a game. And there's been some buzz about like a fall league setup. I know Keith Smith, Keith Smith of Yahoo talked about um, some discussions of fall league, as well as ESPN's Brian Winhorse and Tim Montemps on Thursday. Um, and by the way, the ESPN report said that teams um, are quote expected to participate in a mini camp of sorts was the way that was the way they, they described that later this year. But even then they were talking about the fact that no one knows what that's going to look like. And even if that happens, um, you know, mini camp could be just like an OTA level thing like the NFL does with just no games whatsoever. You talk about just practice and there's value in that, but there's not, um, it's not, it's not the same thing as playing as playing games. I will say it's not like the same thing as having a training camp that you're ramping up for. How much are you going to push guys? What's it going to look like to talk about and cover, et cetera, et cetera. So if that if that happens, great, and it'll be helpful for people like you and I to cover the team. But at the same time, they're not playing a game now in a competitive environment because even even if they have a fall league, I don't think it's going to be everybody. Like maybe I'm wrong about this, but I feel like it would be more like a summer league style atmosphere. I I just can't imagine a scenario where the Hawks are going to send John Collins and Troy Young to a completely meaningless fall league event with no stakes. Like why why would they do that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, we recently saw Trey Young play in that like pickup league or whatever it was. I mean, that, that's Oklahoma. true, but I mean, and that's not ideal in my opinion. But yeah, re- regardless, like I don't think the I don't think the Hawks are going to sanction their guys to go no. play meaningless no. basketball together. I mean, on the one hand, I get the argument, and people are making the argument about that video even that was circulating about Trey playing. I'm like, and no one's saying that Trey shouldn't play basketball because uh, they're going to play. I mean, guys are going to play basketball. That's that's their job. They have yeah. to try. To, they have to try to stay in shape, but. It's different to 
ask these guys to really push themselves in a professional style environment. And if you have, you know, the thing about John Collins and Trey Young is that if, if they're out there, they're going to play hard. And I'm not sure you want John Collins going 110 miles an hour in a meaningless fall league atmosphere. <laughs> it just doesn't make it. There's not a whole lot of upside right. for you there. Um, practice stuff, sure. Scrimmage stuff, sure. But I think, you know, there's a reason why, you know, really good players, um, established players don't play in summer league. And it's because summer league doesn't mean anything. It, it's very helpful to evaluate young players. And occasionally you'll, you'll see a really good second year player play a game or two there. John Collins did, for instance, um, for the Hawks. But there's a reason why you never see a 25-year-old guy who's established in the league play summer league. And it's because of the stakes. You just don't want a guy out there. What Everybody else is not at the same level that they are. Um so, what do you make of the hi- of the hiatus? I mean, just the logistics of this whole thing. I know this is sort of, sort of in- inside baseball, but just for this for this purposes, this, it could be fun. Um, how about trying to cover a team that doesn't play a game for nine months? Because that's been in my head. I've, I've mentioned it on the podcast. You and I are in this position. Not everybody else is in. I understand that. But uh, good luck to us trying to fill content for nine months. I don't know. Not easy. No. I can tell you that. Uh, yeah, I mean, the tricky part is. Like I said, I as soon as the season paused, I kind of went into off-season mode because I was not expecting it to come back. And, you know, sure enough, the Hawks didn't come back. And and part of it, too, was I had the expectation of, okay, if it does come back, what are the chances they're going to include the Hawks? Probably pretty low. So I kind of I kind of took a gamble in a lot of ways, and I just went ahead and did, and, and, and Peachtree did this as well, you guys did, uh, with, with off-season stuff, player review, off-season look-ahead, mock-off-season. You and I did the five-part player review series like I went into just full okay it's summer the season's over mode so now all of that's done <laughs> you know it's 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 over I, I can't rewrite that stuff uh and I've, I've kind of done it all already so it, it'll certainly be a challenge for for beat writers who are going to have to continue to to find angles to find stories uh, I'm sure you know players will be available to, to talk you'll you'll get a lot of here's what uh, I don't know Jeff T has been doing in Indiana over the, the, the summer. I, I don't know. Um, I'm sure there'd be a lot of those types of stories, but you know, at, at this point it's like, what, what can you really, what else can you really do? It's, it's not like you can break down last night's game or I suppose you could go back and look at film and say, okay, here's how like Deandre Hunter fared as a screener in the Hawks offense or whatever. Um, you can look at some of that stuff, but there's at a certain point you run out of, of basketball to talk about and you have to find, new angles and that that's going to be that's going to be a challenge for for even the most creative of of people yes and uh i made this joke slash you know very real thing statement to our good friend zach hood offline uh i think it was today today's today's been a long day i think it was today um the hard part is going to be getting to the lottery because once the lottery comes then things will feel normal again because if anything the offseason is going to be shorter so Getting from the lottery to training camp might actually be easier this year than under normal circumstances. The problem is the lottery uh, is still almost three months away, and uh, nothing's going to happen between now and then, Ben. Just to keep that in mind. Just for no, it is not. Uh, okay. Uh, what do I don't know? Do you care? This is something I want to ask you. Do you care that the league is at least at this point not giving the teams? that are omitted from the bubble, anything extra to incentivize them. For instance, one of the popular plans on the internet was maybe they'll get some improved lottery odds, or maybe they won't allow anyone that goes to Orlando to get into the top four in the lottery. 
those things are out the window and there could be some financial stuff happening in the future. Like there's still an open question about the CBA, um, CBA about the uh, RSN stuff and how teams might be, you know, owing money back to their RSN partners, for instance, there's some weirdness there um, financially, but basketball wise, it appears there's nothing coming from the NBA to like extend an olive branch to the Hawks or the Knicks or any of these teams are not going to make it. Um, does that bother you at all? Or was this something that, I, that you expected? Because I'm somewhere in the middle. Like I, I would, I would have been surprised if they changed the lottery or if they did something, you know, really innovative here, but at the same time, it might've been good to, so some, uh, you know, cooperation from the teams. Yeah, I understand that. I, I think, I think the way to look at it is that those teams weren't going to make the playoffs anyway. So it's, if anything, the NBA is doing a favor to teams like the Blazers, the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Kings and the Wizards and the, and the Suns, I suppose as well, uh, as opposed to doing a disservice to the other teams that didn't make it because Again, I mean, there were like, what, 15 games? I suppose that's enough uh, enough time for some teams to, to really make a difference. But there was enough of the season that was played to say, okay, if we have to cut this thing short, we can do it. You know, they've played, I believe they've played seasons shorter than 67 games before with lockouts and things like that. So I, I don't really view it as, as those six or five teams, whoever didn't make it, getting screwed over in any way. I just I kind of view it as the other teams who did make it being done a favor because, uh, like I said, I think the best option would have just been cut the regular season, start the playoffs with 16 teams, and instead they they kind of extended the olive branch to some of those teams when they really didn't need to. So maybe a fair compromise is you say the Wizards, the Suns, and then whoever else doesn't make it in the West does they they can't be like they're not part of the lottery. Maybe there's a, a way to sort of put the the teams that didn't make Orlando into kind of a lottery of their own. And then the next few picks will be the teams that didn't make it who were in the bubble. And you kind of penalize those bubble teams for, for being in there. But at the same time, you know, it's not like the wizards and the Suns asked to be in the bubble. Maybe they did, but um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of unfair to them to now penalize them for doing poorly in a, presumably in a tournament that they probably were never going to do well in any way as opposed to having a chance to, to improve the lottery odds and get a better pick. So it, it's kind of a tough situation for the NBA. I think the, the, best situ- the, the best solution is just to do the lottery as normal, the way you would anyway. And in all likelihood, it's going to shake out kind of the way the standings would project. And if it doesn't, you know, that happens almost every year in the lottery. And, and you see that quite often. So it wouldn't be unprecedented for a bubble team to – get a high pick and, and a non-bubble team to kind of uh, get screwed by the math a little bit. But that's <laughs> that's that's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just going to be interesting. The Hawks have the same odds that I think you and I and most people were expecting them to have when they shut down. I mean, we, we were all pointing this out in mid-March. Like, okay, if, the, if nobody plays again, the Hawks are, are going to have the fourth-best lottery odds. And uh, by the way, that, that loss uh, to the Knicks in the game that everyone forgets now huge. because it happened in the middle of the shutdown was huge for seeding. Um, so that's that's one bright spot is that they lost that game. Um, I couldn't tell you a single thing that happened in that game. Uh, I, I can confirm that other than I, I could I could I could talk about Vince because the Vince shot it got yeah. re, it got replayed a million times but um my, I can tell you the Trey Young lob to John Collins like at the end of the fourth quarter yeah I was gonna say I mean it's 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 kind of funny because uh 
the Hawks made a heck of a comeback. Yeah. And uh, I think we were all kind of mentally checked out at that point. And no one was watching. And then, but when it happened, suddenly it was like, oh, this is close. So we all started watching again. Not that we weren't watching, but it was definitely not the not the, not the the main event, even though we were there. Um, you just can't, you can't um, explain that night in general. But yeah. the Hawks make, make this great comeback and they get, they get to overtime. And I think, I know I did. I think maybe all of us did like, just kind of casually point out like, you know, they might want to lose here. They don't, they don't want to win this game. And the players, they obviously were trying to win, um, but it worked out well that they did not. Um, yeah. well, you, what's of- interesting is I talked to Deandre Hunter a couple weeks ago and he said, he, he said he found out like midway through the third quarter or maybe second quarter during that game. And he said from, from that point on, it just felt like a pickup game. You know, it felt like, Oh yeah. Even the players were like, Oh, it had that feel for sure. I mean, the, what the stakes were, yeah. The Vince stuff too, like, you know, I think everybody maybe didn't know, but Lloyd talked about us after, and there was that really extended post game too, where it just kind of went on forever. And yeah. I don't know, it was just uh, a weird night. But the fact that the Hawks didn't pull the whole, pull it off, I'm sure they wanted to once they made the, the big comeback. But I don't want to digress too much. But that was uh, an important loss. So shall we say? Um, and by the way, everyone always focuses, and I'm going to say this, I'm sure, a hundred times between now and the lottery. Everyone always focuses on the percentage chance to, with them, to, get, to get the number one pick, and that is not the most important reason why you want a low pick. It's to have a higher floor in, in the lottery. That's the whole thing. Um, especially with these flat nods, it's like, oh, well, the Hawks, if the Hawks had lost, I mean, if the Hawks had won, they, they would have only lost like one percentage point. It's like, I, that doesn't matter. It's about the floor and the most likely yeah. outcome. Because if if you're in the top three, aren't you guaranteed like a top five pick or something? If you are no well now now that it's four team lottery, only one team, which is the Warriors, is guaranteed a top five pick. Okay, but if you're if you're if you're two, if you're coming into the lottery at two, you are very very likely to have the number to have a top five pick. Um, you know the Hawks famously kind of got screwed last year, um, and went down to a pretty unlikely uh, unlucky extent to the, I think it was they had about an 8% chance to land at 8 last year and they did yeah. it. Um so the Hawks are never very lucky in the lottery, but at the same time um raising your floor is a is a good thing when it comes to. I was going to ask you, have you ever like run the numbers on the Hawks expected lottery odds versus like what they actually I don't know, like, think like their, I their did. luck in the lottery historically? I don't think I did like a whole thing. I remember having this discussion. It might have been before last year, maybe the year before, about you know, just trying to remind, remind people that you know, just because they were unlucky before does not mean it's going to change now. But at the same time, they've never won the lottery. That's worth pointing out. The Hawks have never been number one uh, in the lottery. Um, now it's not always been unlucky, but I, I think when I looked at it, or somebody else, maybe it was Chris Billmore. I can't remember who looked at this, but I think overall it wasn't as bad as you might think. Um, they, but it wasn't great either in my recollection. Like, you know, they've, they've landed at number two, um, before they landed with at number three in a really important spot when they got Al Horford, they, they haven't always gotten screwed. It's just that, you know, last year was not, was about as bad as it could have gone for Atlanta. And granted they, they did okay, I think, but still it was, uh, interesting. And this year I would argue and probably will argue that, the gaps between the picks this year are very small. So this is not a lottery that is as big of a deal as usual. And the conspiracy theorists among us, or maybe the uh, masochists among us would point out that this would be a great year for the Hawks to win the lottery. When there's I was going to say, this is going to be the year they actually 
get the number one pick. That, 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 that is a joke that I've made that other people have made. I know Dan Weiner uh, of yeah. ESPN fame has made that joke many times, but I agree with it because there is not a number one overall prospect in this class that's that kind of player. And if you want to find that player, it, it might be LaMelo Ball, who would not be that player for the Hawks. So it's just interesting in a lot of ways. And we'll what talk would about you do if you got the first pick? Or let's let's say first or second pick. Ben, you, th- this is this is not good in terms of content management. We're supposed to talk about this stuff like two months from now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. But uh, my party line and people who are listening are probably laughing. My party line is that they should put a, they, they should put a they, they should put a for sale sign out immediately if they if they win the lottery. I 100 percent um, agree. They you know, it doesn't mean you have to trade it, but I think you certainly have to take offers for it if you are the Hawks, especially given the fact that, uh, as we've discussed on this podcast and offline, too, between the two of us. Lloyd Pierce did not uh, take the expectations away with his sort of playoff projection uh, midseason. And I think they know that it's going to be uh, sort of put up or shut up time next year. So if they could trade the pick for a player that would help them more now, that would be appetizing, I think. Um, ultimately, if they if they did make the pick, there's only two or three guys that I would really consider taking. But I, I would much rather, if you got close to fair value, put the for sale sign up and try to trade it. But we'll see. I'm with you. They also can't use the pick because they already have five young players. Uh, that's yeah, that, that's how that works. You're not allowed to add more talent, um, as the Hawks right. have told us numerous times. No, I'm kidding. But it's, I'm actually kind of dreading if the Hawks win the lottery, which is it's kind of backwards. But people probably know this that you know you and I are not just outright rooting for the team. We're not fans of the team. We're covering the team, um, and it, it would be a good scenario for sure for the Hawks to win the lottery because even if they did, even if they, if, if they traded it, they get good value. If they didn't trade it, you could pick whatever player you want. There, there's a lot of value to having the number one pick, but um. People are gonna get really mad at me when I argue to trade it for three straight months because that's what that's what's gonna happen if they win the lottery. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, I'd be looking to do that unless they, unless they just have the worst luck ever and get like the tenth pick or something. I would be looking to trade that pick, almost no matter where it lands. Well, for, you know I mean? fortunately, if, they cannot fall that far, and I right I, you're or whatever I think the, they're the floor down. On where they... Their absolute floor is eight, um, and even that's two point two percent. So. You know, yeah. realistically, their floor is probably seven. But and honestly, like 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 I said before, and we'll uh, I'm gonna make you come on. We'll we'll talk drafts in depth later on when you when I'm when I'm confident we've all looked at these prospects a ton. But um, you know, the gap between one and seven in this draft, um, for the Hawks specifically, is not as big as you might think it would be. Yeah. Um, especially because you know the Hawks. It's not breaking any ground here, but the Hawks. You know, th- this is a draft where. My two favorite players in this class um, are essentially lead guards. Now they're both big enough to play to play off the ball a little bit, but both Lamelo Ball and Killian Hayes are point guards. And then another guy that I love in this class is Onyeka Kongwu, who's a center, and the Hawks have now invested quite a bit at center. So it's not like this is a great draft for the Hawks of what their needs are, but um, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> That's my short answers. We'll see. Yeah, I think I'm with you. Um, well, Ben, thank you for joining me for all this stuff. Do you have any final thoughts on where your head's at that I haven't asked you? I feel like we're going to have plenty of discussions to, you know, go through during this whole break, but I feel like it's okay. I I I would certainly argue that the Hawks are not hampered too, too much by this. I would hope that they get some sort of mini camp or something to come together and, um, have some time to have the young guys play together at some point during this hiatus, but the loss of games doesn't bother me as much. That's my um, short thesis on this. But um, any final thoughts before I let you get out of here? 
No, I mean, I, I think my, my, I just, I'm concerned, I guess, for the NBA, you know, not Hawks, but, but just for the NBA in general, the teams that are down there, like, it seems like they've, they've made this riskier than it needs to be. So I'm a little wary of that for the Hawks, you know, the biggest, the biggest thing I'm sympathetic to, I guess, is just the players wanting to play basketball. That's, I mean, I, listen, I, I'm not an NBA player, but even I have gotten pretty stir crazy not being able to play pickup basketball recently, you know, like just with, you know, in, in a very, very low level of competition. So I cannot imagine what professional basketball players are feeling right now, not being able to play competitive games and get on the court and, and really, you know, do what they're, they're used to be to, to doing. So that's kind of where I'm sympathetic for the players is just, if nothing else, these guys want to get on the court, they want to play the game. You know, they, they want to get back to that competition, that that physical activity um, that they, you know, obviously love or else they wouldn't be pursuing it as, as a full time job. So that, that's that's where I'm um, that, that's kind of what I think about most. If, if you're going to be sympathetic to the Hawks or say they should have been able to to play is just like you want to give these guys an opportunity to play basketball because they haven't been able to for several months. But. I think the NBA made the right decision by by not including all 30 teams. Like I said, you know, as tough as it is for some of those teams that don't make it, it's uh, it, it's the right thing to do. You know, it's the right it's the right path to take. I think, like I said, the gyms, the practice facilities are still open. You can you can go in there for for optional training if you want to, even if it's not quite the same. But I think this was expected, so I don't really have. Uh, I guess a take on this that I haven't already expressed in some form or another over the last few months. I I understand. And uh, one more time for the Hawks fans who have pointed this out and you are right, by the way, everyone that's pointed this out about the, how the Hawks had a super easy schedule. Um, they were still 11. Yes. 11 games behind the, behind Orlando. Um, if you want to argue that the Hawks could have gotten to ninth in an 82 game regular season, I actually wouldn't scream at you about that. I wouldn't say it was likely, but um, given where, given their talent level and given the schedule they had, if you told me the Hawks finished the season, an 82-game season, by the way, um, in ninth in the East, I wouldn't laugh at you. But they were, they were not catching Orlando, so it's okay. I promise. Um, and by the way, if they had just built the roster to win this year, we wouldn't have this discussion, maybe. But we have, we've That's had true. That's, that's how I feel, too, about the teams that are clamoring about not making it or the, 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 you know, the teams that are potential play in uh, c- contenders, you know, like you can say, Oh, it's unfair to us that we don't have a chance to, to compete or, or it's, you know, the odds are against us or whatever. It's like a lot of this stuff, it could have been prevented if you were just better. And and I get that not everyone <laughs> has that option, but, well, no, but it, sometimes it does come down to that. Sometimes it's like, listen, if you just won more games and put yourself in a better position, you wouldn't have to worry about being on the bubble or, or outside the bubble or whatever it is. You know, that's, that's one thing I heard just leading up to the decision. We didn't really know who was going to make it. It's like, is it fair to so and so to to leave them out if you include this team or you know whatever? And the easy solution, which is not so much easy because you actually have to go out and win games, which is very difficult. But you know the the, the best teams don't have to worry about this. So I guess that's what I would say for teams that are on the fence or that if if you know if teams feel slighted or or anything like that. Like if if you weren't good enough to be a lock in in the bubble, then you know, maybe <laughs> right. it wasn't essential that you were in there in the first place. I am glad you said this because I meant to say this earlier and I forgot. Um, but you've opened the door, so I'm gonna say it now. Um, there there have been seasons in the relatively recent past when like a 45 win team or better misses the playoffs. 
Um, and those teams are legitimately good, and that's unfortunate when that happens. It's usually in the West. But I remember that you know there was that forty-eight win Suns team that kind of came out of nowhere and didn't make the yeah. playoffs. Um, the best team. This is again the best team right now that is not in the top eight of either conference is the Blazers um, or the Pelicans. They're in a tie. Um, those teams have, those teams have won forty four percent of their games. Like yeah, this is not a this is not a season when a team is like very clearly good and not in the playoffs. Um, these teams are like you know Portland and New Orleans are and Sacramento are eight yes eight games below 500. If they had gotten yeah. scalding hot down the stretch, they might have won 38 games, 39 games. If they got hot down the stretch, like this, this these are not good teams in a traditional sense. Like it's yeah. Portland talented. Obviously they, they made the conference finals last year. I mean, Dame's capable of, of a lot. New Orleans is loaded with Zion. And when they're healthy, they're pretty good. But on balance, this is not a year to be like really crying on behalf of some of these teams even Orlando like Orlando is not good and they're in the playoffs and they earned it because they were better than everybody else in the west Orlando's 30 and 35 like that's not a good basketball team <laughs> I'm sorry it's just like this is not this is not the year to really put your energy behind the oh so and so team got screwed here because I just none of these teams are good enough to really make that argument I'm sorry and I think I think that's another argument in favor of just capping it at 16 teams and saying yep the ones that are in are in and everyone else is out because it's not like you're doing some great injustice to the Pelicans. I think I think they're probably the best example here because they might have been most likely. Among yeah, that they, they, had, they had the uh, they had the Hawks schedule. Basically, they right. had the extremely hard early and then easy late schedule. So if you want to find me a team with an argument, it is the Pelicans. But even then, the Pelicans are twenty-eight and thirty-six. Right. If they had gotten <laughs> in, it would have been with a five hundred record. You know, or, yes. or probably worse than that. So. This is not like you said. This is not the year for for you to to be crying about these teams. That I shouldn't use the word crying. That seems too pejorative. But, it is, but, but to be complaining that oh this this team in the West didn't make it and it's like listen at a, at some point if you're mediocre you're mediocre and you don't rise above that. So I, I don't think it's a, a huge injustice that. I don't think it would have been a huge injustice if you would just cut it off and sorry New Orleans you know maybe you would have made a run, but you know if you were really if you were really like a playoff caliber team, maybe you wouldn't have started four and 21 or whatever it was, you know, and that, that sounds, you know, tough to say, but it, it's, it's true. Like you, you, this is why every game matters. You know, it's, it's, if, if you really were, were good enough to make a, a run down the stretch and get in, like you, maybe you should have taken care of some of that earlier in the season and you wouldn't have to worry about this. And again, it's, it's all these teams are different shades of mediocre with some have higher upside than others granted, but it, you know, in the in the aggregate, none of them were going to be these these playoff juggernauts that you just had to worry about, or that just absolutely had to be included. And in a time like this, where the risk is so high, the stakes are so high, the downside is so great potentially. I think this is this this would have been the perfect year to just say these are the 16 teams. Even if we're cutting the season short, sorry, this is the way we're doing it. And you know, those those extra six teams. We'll see if any of them even make the playoffs. I think there's a good chance that the 16 teams that are above the playoff line now are just the 16 that make it. Oh yeah, and we might look back at it and be like, well, why did we include another six? That that is very likely to happen. Uh, it's not definitely going to happen, but it's certainly the most likely scenario at this point in time. Last thing I'll say before I let you get out of here. Uh, this is this is I'm stealing from Tower Jones, good friend of the program. But uh, my my favorite scenario 
that the league is clearly not going to do now um it has nothing to do with the actual playoffs it's that uh i would have sent the non-bubble teams to probably vegas or something like that um did the same kind of quarantine stuff um you know same kind of kind of smaller bubble and then i would have done like a five million dollar prize for the players and uh, and just said all right single elimination tournament i like it and i mean because people always say like well make the number one pick the the prize and it's like i always point out that players don't care about that because you don't they don't they might not even want the number one pick um but if you if you did like a five million dollar between everybody or maybe even more than that like that would give them some incentive to play uh, and play hard and try. Uh, and honestly, it would be, I, I'm not sure when you'd have it. Maybe you'd want to do it like once the playoffs got to like the conference finals and maybe you just intersperse it like in the afternoons or whatever. I'm not sure. It's not a perfect scenario, but uh, that would be a way to get uh, teams somewhere to play and uh, kind of have a second bubble in a way that would be kind of short. You could do the quarantines and then uh, people would watch. I'd watch, you'd watch. Come on. I'd watch it, yeah. Um, anyway, that's I probably uh, did not explain that as well as I could have. So Tyler, come on and yell at me later on. But that's uh, an idea that I liked. By the way, another thing I've heard people say is like, I heard this especially with the group stage idea, where it was, well, who wants to watch the Magic play the the Kings? Me, or whatever, you know, no one wants to watch that. Listen, I haven't watched an NBA game in three months. I will watch anything. I will watch any NBA team play any other NBA team. If you put that on for me right now, a new game, live game happening right now, <laughs> yeah. I don't care who's playing, I'll watch it. I do think the uh, the uh, the newness of that and the appeal would wear off to a lot of people. I think you and I would still watch because we just yeah. like basketball that much. Um, casual fans, the the newness of the bad games would would wear off in a hurry. Um, but yeah, early on that first week, it wouldn't matter who was playing. Yeah, it really wouldn't. That's that's one thing I've I've found it a little tough to sort of disentangle through this whole thing is the solutions that I would like to see and you know where I say well I would watch that or I would love this or this would be fascinating I can never tell how how much people who who aren't as invested in this as I am would actually feel about that you know I don't know how popular or good a lot of the potential solutions would have been because I think for for you and I probably Twitter is a bit of an echo chamber where it's just oh, a yeah. lot of basketball diehards saying oh this would be so great I would love this we should do this. And I can never tell if that's just only hardcore basketball fans would like that or if that would actually have broader appeal to fans. So I, I've never been able to really uh, discern, you know, which ideas fall into which category. Yeah. And that's, that's one of the unfortunate things about the way, what they actually landed on to bring things full circle is that, and I think people made this point today in various forms, but I'm so I'll steal it anyway, even though I think we all kind of thought it maybe it's just, the NBA landed in this middle ground where they're trying to have everybody in that could make the playoffs, but they also didn't really do anything innovative. Like they, they didn't do a real play in tournament. Like they didn't do one of those like popular ideas that they could have tried. They kind of just didn't do that. I mean, the play in is a play in, but there's still a sharp advantage for the eight seed. You got to go two game. You got to, you got to win two games in a row if you are the nine seed. And it's just that there's not really a tournament. Yeah. It's a bunch of games, and then they play maybe a two-game series, and that's it. So 
I don't care. I think by then people will be ready for the playoffs, but they didn't they didn't take the swing that they could have taken with like an actual play in tournament that's been proposed forever that, you know, people have been talking about for years and just it's never happened. They didn't they still didn't they still didn't actually do that, which I think could be a missed opportunity. I'm not sure if it is or not, but they didn't really get experimental. Right. There were a lot of ideas on the table, and I think any of them would have been more interesting than what we're getting. But, but like, alas, like I said, basketball. any any NBA basketball is is good with me. I've I've criticized, you know, to some degree the safety of it and and maybe ignoring some of the risk that could be there. But that said, as soon as they start playing, I'm gonna enjoy the hell out of it. Um and I, I would I will hope obviously that that it is safe and that it can be done safely and, and no one contracts the virus. But you know, as soon as the first game tips off, I'm gonna be all in and I'm gonna be watching it, you know, with well, on the edge of my seat because that's that's how long it's been and that's just kind of you know who I am when it comes to basketball. But um, so, so yeah, all of the concerns, it's not to say they go out the window, but I, I would anticipate that they would take a back seat once the actual basketball starts back up. So any, like we can criticize all we want, you know, the, spe- the specifics of the plan, but I think any return to actually seeing NBA basketball is, is a good, is a good thing, you know, no matter how it's done, I think it's probably a, a good thing. We all hope it's going to work, and that's uh, that's well said. Ben, please plug yourself. I'm going to have to beg you to come on. I did float the idea that I might I might just do some good old-fashioned NBA basketball talk that's not Hawks at some point along the way here because there's just only so much Hawks I can talk. Um, but uh, in the meantime, please plug yourself. Help tell people where they can find your work, even if it's going to be tough to produce work right now. Sure, yeah, si.com slash NBA slash Hawks. I uh, just released a story on DeAndre Hunter, I think today, yesterday, whenever that was. Um wrote a a little bit of a longer feature on Lloyd Pierce and kind of what he and the Hawks are doing right now in the face of, of the racial injustice and police brutality. That's, that's obviously gone to the center of the conversation nationally. Uh, I thought he was really uh, candid and empathetic and, and um, just just illuminating in when he spoke to the media a couple days ago. Um, So I'm, I'm appreciative of, of him and Steve Coonan for their candor and their humanity frankly, and, and that was a fun story to write. So if you want to check that out, uh, that's also on that site, at bladner underscore on Twitter. Um, read and react NBA podcast. We haven't released an episode recently just to, because it doesn't feel appropriate at this particular moment, but uh, hopefully we'll be, we'll be able to come back in some form that feels, you know, kind of sensitive to the moment that's, that's going on right now um, and, and doesn't feel like we're just kind of diving into basketball in a time where frankly we you know none of us should be diving into basketball when there are more uh, important things going on so still working that out but um you know you can you can listen to that podcast wherever you find podcasts uh there's still a lot of episodes kind of backloaded if you want to catch up on them and then like i said we'll figure out a, a return schedule sometime here soon so other than that uh just kind of trying to find ways to stay busy over the next few months like i'm sure you will be as well Certainly. And uh, yeah, follow Ben's work. I uh, wholeheartedly agree with you on uh, that conversation that uh, we all kind of had or listened to anyway with Lloyd and Steve Coonan. Uh, was that last, was that earlier this week? Wow. It's been a long week. Um, I think it was Monday. Was that Monday? Yeah. It's been a, I say, a yeah. few days here, but yeah, I, I'm with you. It's, it's bizarre to talk about basketball. Um, I'm, I don't want to say contractually obligated, but basically contractually obligated to talk about basketball at um, certain times in the week with my, with this podcast. But so we just we do it. But you're you're right to point out that uh, not the most important thing by any means, and uh, hopefully that comes across as well. Uh, thanks, Ben, 
for joining me. We'll do this again very, very soon. As for everybody else, uh, check out the podcast. Check out Read and React with Ben. Uh, check out our sponsors. And we'll see everybody uh, probably going to be uh, not until next week. So we'll uh, stay tuned for that.